Welcome to Monuments and Movements. On today's episode, we discuss the two police officers that were shot in Los Angeles. How did we get to this point, and where are we headed as a country if this continues? Let's talk about it. Well, hey, welcome to the Monuments and Movements podcast. I'm Justin. I'm here with my man, Kenny. Good morning. How you doing? Good. It's early. I'm happy to be here. Dark and early. Dark and early. <laughs> Try this out and see how it goes. Yeah, let's get into it. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah. So uh, a couple weeks ago now, two police officers were shot in Los Angeles. Um, reading from an, a Newsweek article, um, specifically there were uh, L.A. LA County sheriffs, um, and they're fighting for their lives currently. I don't currently know the, the uh, state, but when this article was written, they were in very critical condition um, in the hospital. But I guess that it was uh, pretty much an ambush that went down. Um, these these sheriff deputies had only been on the force for about 14 months, the article says, and they were monitoring a, a train station, and a, a man came up from behind and just blasted into the car. But um, one of the main things that get a little bit interesting in this article is it, it talks about how after the ambush, crowds of protesters were actually waiting outside the hospital, blocking entrances, and they were chanting, some protesters were chanting, we hope they die. Um, There's a video of the shooting. Um, Sheriff Villanueva has also expressed his frustration over what he said was a growing trend of unprovoked attacks on police amid rising anti-police sentiment. And I think even since this um, article came out, there's been, at least I know, a couple more of of police shootings and, and attacks on police. Um, the article goes on to describe how people continue to block the way for ambulances and eventually, um, they had to arrest a few people and, and get the crowd to, to, to die down. So, um, obviously officers shot at point blank range, um, protesters tried to block ambulances. There's a lot going on here. Um, and we've heard, I think up until this point, we've heard of people blocking routes of, uh, fire trucks or amb- ambulances getting into Chaz. Chaz. Um, and I heard they they hired a new czar in their town to help help come up with some kind of a police force. That's the topic for a different episode. Um, um, so now we have we've been led to people kind of strategically picking off police police officers, sheriff deputies, kind of thing. So um, the big question is is you know why or what what what's re- what's really going on here is what we want to dive into and. And personally, I think, I guess just to kick this off, you know, I, with as much, um, you know, awareness as, as the whole nation is paying attention to systematic racism right now, police brutality, and and those kind of things that are going on, the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, everybody's all, you know, about it right now. You see it on every single commercial and everything in between. Um, so with with all the world's attention kind of focused on this kind of stuff, is this is this you know how what's going on you know is this how we bridge the gap is is um, I know a lot of people personally who are cops and sheriff deputies and all black Asian Mexican etc. But you know how and you know we can get into the the little aspects and and what we think. But um, how did we get here? Just first of all, what what is really going on with people now? We have people um, just straight up attacking police officers and and you know we hope they die being chanted as they're struggling for their lives in hospital beds well and they're standing outside the hospital 
chanting those things. Yes. Oh. So how did we get here? Correct. Well, I mean, I think it's no no secret that there's been some some tragedies, you know, involving specifically what kind of gets highlighted as black people and the police. Mm-hmm. Feels like almost every other week, or maybe every week, you know, we're hearing these stories of unarmed black people getting shot by the police. Right. And what happens is when we hear these stories, there there's immediately a narrative thrown on it. Mm-hmm. It's usually one of two narratives. It's usually summed up by unarmed black man gets shot by police and or thug you know, gets taken out by the police, people race bait. Right. Right. Immediately when you look at these situations, there, there's usually a line drawn. Sure. And it's like, okay, here's a story. Pick a side. Yeah. You know? And I think our culture, we, we buy into that. Mm-hmm. We buy into that vortex. Let's take the case of, of Jacob Blake. Mm-hmm. Right, that was, I think, probably the most recent one leading up to this police shooting. Right. Or the shooting of the police. There was a lot that went on there. Right. I don't I don't think you can necessarily just say, oh, this is a, an unarmed black man who got right. shot in the back by the police. Well, likewise, I don't think you just say, oh, yeah, there, there's a thug resisting arrest and he deserved what right. he got. Right, right. You know, obviously, I mean, if you read the details and you look into the story, you know, Mr. Blake was doing things he shouldn't have been doing, you know, and he had a history and he had a record, you know. But when you look at these stories, you can't, you can't go there. Yeah. Well, I don't go there. I'm not saying you can't. Right. You know, immediately they try to paint a narrative. Oh, well, you know, this guy had a record. He was a thug. He was a criminal. I'm, I'm sure that's probably significant. Sure. But. You know, I think we as a nation right now, we've been conditioned to immediately jump on the narrative boat and kind of in a Hollywood celebrity culture, we're mm-hmm. we're very quick to characterize people. Correct. I mean, here's what I see happen. Is this guy, Jacob Blake, you know, he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. Right. And, you know, the cops get called on him. And, you know, things just start to get out of control. Cops try to arrest him. You know, they have a hard time. Things mm-hmm. just start getting chaotic. Now, you know, should the police have shot him seven times? No, I, I don't think that should have happened. I think once you kind of get to that point, though, it's it's kind of chaos. Right. You know, once that door is open, you know, he was resisting arrest. But but let's look, let's look at it like this, right? Because a lot of people will say, well, he was resisting arrest, so he had it coming. It's very common in black culture, black American culture. Right, for a black kid to have what's called the talk. Mm-hmm. I don't mean the birds of bees. <laughs> you know, when you hear a young black man talk about the talk, right, it's usually with a black male figure in his life. Right. Which are basically ta- taught, be very careful around the police because they can kill you. Sure. And depending on who gives you the talk, you know, some will be like, yeah, you know, you got to be careful because as a black man, you're a lot more likely to die at the hands of the police. But a lot of times that story is told, no, the police are going to kill you. They're looking for a reason to right, kill you. Right, right. Now, you know, everyone has a different experience. I'm, I'm not saying one's right sure. or wrong factually. Right. But you have to understand when that's ingrained in you deep as a young man, 
Right. Or you automatically grow up with this bias. Mm-hmm. And I know bias is, has, a, has a negative connotation, but it's literally, it's a bias that's put in your mind. Yeah. Where you think, man, the police are going to kill me. Is that right? You know, I, I don't think that's... that's in a way, it's bias. almost kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Right. A self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? So, now you're a black man in the situation. You're starting to see more and more cops trying to take you down. Right. A lot of people think, oh, this guy was just a thug trying to resist arrest. Well, if you're surrounded by people who you think are going to kill you, you're going to resist. Yeah, f- fight or flight. Right. You know, I, I think it's an instinctual thing. I don't think it's a, oh, you know, they ain't going to take me. Mm. You know, I think that's what happens in most of these cases, right, is these guys, they're scared to death that they're going to die. And like you said, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. They resist, right, out of survival tactics to the point where you get tasered or mm-hmm. at least get shot at by tasers and there's multiple cops trying to arrest you. Right. And you're still too scared to submit. Right. Right. And I'm not saying that's right. You know, it's just it's a tragedy. It's it's one tragedy that just gets added on to another, gets right. added on to another that ends up with him getting shot seven times. Right. Did he deserve it? I don't know. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You know, is it completely misunderstandable why the cops did it? I don't think so. Were they like, okay, if this guy resists again, we're going to shoot him seven times? I don't think that. I think things just got out of control. Right. But you see, the problem is we don't know how to look at these things objectively. We're actually, like, conditioned. We're not encouraged to look at them objectively. Right. We're not encouraged to look at it from just the humanity. Right, the humanity of it is, you know, this man. Well, f- I think he, he lived. Jacob Blake, Jacob yeah. Blake, yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's a good, right. good thing. I don't know if he's pro- – I don't know what his physical state is permanently, mm-hmm. but – you know, when I look at this as a human being, I look, okay, there's a tragedy. Right? There was a guy doing something he shouldn't have been doing. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, things got out of hand. Sure. Right. And now this man is going through this trauma. Right? These officers are having to go through this trauma. Right. And I just, you, there's always a vortex right, right. they try to paint, and you try to get sucked in. Yeah. Right. Oh, you know, Black Lives Matter, or, you know, all, Blue lives matter. You know, all police are evil. All the system is racist. You mm-hmm. know, and it just becomes this vortex. Right. I just, you, you can't play that game. Right. I don't get sucked in into that. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't add fuel to that fire. It's easy to. And yeah. it's in our nature to want to do that. Because I think a lot of people are looking for a cause. But I think you just got to step back and look at it as a human. Yeah. And I think we've lost that ability. Which is why now you have people retaliating. Mm-hmm. By going out and literally trying to assassinate police in the streets. Right. Yeah, and I think, I mean, there's a lot There's a lot to that. There's a lot of layers. Even just in the Jacob Blake case alone, um, there's a lot of a lot of layers to it. Um, yeah. There's a lot more gray area than I think, like, like we're talking about. There's a lot more gray area, and I think we've probably mentioned before, everything just comes out so processed already that it's already you know, your food's already chewed and digested for you in the form of news, if, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and and I think, yeah, you said it perfectly. There's two sides, two extreme sides to the spectrum. There's the one side that is painting the narrative that cops are just going around gunning down unarmed black men, and then there's the other side um, painting the narrative that, that um, cops are... That cops are... Um, you know, trying to do trying to do their best job, and and that that there's these thugs out there, and they had it coming to them, kind of like you said. 
Um, and, and I think there's a way larger middle ground than wants to be discussed and at least in the media because it doesn't you know it's all about selling and clicks and and everything that we can we can get into but i want to go back to what you were talking about you were talking about the talk um Mm -hmm. and and this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy um it was reminding me of a of a story um an experience i had with the police um and I've, i've probably told you the story before but uh, one time, I, I was probably 16 or 17. I just got my license. Um, I was definitely not uh, old enough to drive uh, minors in my car, and, and my truck just had a just a bench seat, so just three seats in it. Um, and we had went. It was me and a couple of the guys on the football team. Two of the dudes were black. One guy was Mexican. Um, and so you have about two black dudes and one and a half Mexicans in a in a f- three seater car. So four guys total in my truck that I shouldn't have been driving anyway. We went to go get Wingstop. And um, as we were at a stoplight, a cop rolls through the intersection the opposite way and immediately like locks eyes with us. And we all knew like, dang it, we're cooked. Uh, so I'm like, got it. let's just hit the freeway. We had these chicken wings in the car. We're like, we just want to get home and eat these wings. Um, so I tried to hit the freeway and... As soon as I saw the lights flash in my rearview mirror, my heart just sank, um, and I was I was terrified. But I I think I was more terrified of what my parents would do to me. <laughs> but um, yeah. you know what ended up transpiring is is uh, you know the cop came up. It was a white guy, and um, he looked at the car and looked at the fact that there was three seat belts and four of us in there, um, two black dudes, Mexican guy, a half Mexican guy, whatever. Um, he didn't seem very intimidating at all, but, you know, the thing that I had always learned when, when I was younger, especially, you know, talking to a police officer is, hey, yes, sir, no, sir, just yep. tell him the truth, just be cooperative, give him whatever he needs, um, and, and, you know, and the cop, you know, the cop did, did his job, he, he, um, uh, asked us questions, he kind of joked around with us, um, and in the end, he ended up letting us go with no ticket, he just, he even, um, he took, one of us, one of us in the car with him drove when we drove to my buddy's house and he just dropped, dropped us off. So we weren't driving illegally. Um, so, you know, we got out of it, no ticket, but my point is had, I, I, I guess I wasn't ever thinking the entire time that my life could be in danger here with this cop. I was more thinking my life could be in danger with my parents, <laughs> Yeah. but, uh, and that's, that's, very different than than the average african american than how they grow up and like you're saying you know if you if you grow up in a world thinking that police officers are are out to get you and and you know, all this stuff it, it it does kind of create this paranoia and this mm-hmm. and add in you know sure add in a couple people in the wrong crowd wrong place wrong time probably you know trying these i can't imagine you know these people possibly facing jail time for having i I don't know there's there's a lot to these stories that that you know we don't hear but um at the same time uh it's with the the jacob blake story you can argue that in in the heat of the moment like you said it just got it got chaotic it got crazy i'm Mm -hmm. sure it was just it ended up turning to like pretty primal two guys probably thought that their lives were in jeopardy i don't know um, and, but I think one of the notes I wrote down when we were talking about this or, or reading this article was 
how does this bridge the gap and how can we do a better job of bridging the gap? Because I think that, you know, let's just say that police there. Let's just say, let's just err on this side of that. There are more police uh, going around gunning down innocent black men and women. Um, I don't believe that's the case, but let's just say that's the case. Does, does going out, and hunting police officers down help any of that and like that's that's the thing that I want I want to you know talk about and growing up you know I we we both kind of grew up in in uh, difficult parts of town where we knew what it was like to to wake up in the middle of the night and uh wonder if we put our bikes away if they were going to get stolen or not <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we did fireworks or, or bullets <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah the 3 second count between fireworks yeah um, so, I mean, we don't necessarily come from easy street, but, um, so I know what it's like to, to be with friends who are, who get intimidated when a police rolls, when a police officer rolls by, or, um, I definitely know what that's like to, to be, you know, in, in those crowds, but how do we bridge that gap? Because there's, I think how we got here, I guess to answer that question is we have this whole defund the police movement mm-hmm. and people trying to convince Everybody that police are insignificant. Look at all the harm they're doing, and that they're the enemy. That they're the enemy, and yeah. I think it's created this, like you said, this vortex or this this echo chamber of police. We don't need police. We don't need police. And now people are thinking, yeah, we don't need police. Let's take them out um, to to the extremes. And I just don't think that that's that's where our civilization needs to go. Yeah. Um, I know if you poll people, I've seen. I've seen polls of they've pulled people in the actual like ghettos of towns and asked them, do you think we need to defund police? And all of these people almost unanimously have said, no, I think we need more police. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, I mean, personally from, uh, my, my opinion and my, what I would predict, I predict that if you defund the police in a lot of these more troubled neighborhoods, I think it's going to, Result in a lot more chaos for those neighborhoods. Right. Personally, I, I understand that's probably not the emotionally popular sure uh, response. But yeah, so so you're you know you're asking essentially, what do we do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you know, first of all, I think. Okay, I'll talk about the individual solution, then I think the sure. broader solution. So I'll share a little bit about my experience with the police. When I was younger, my earlier run-ins with the police mm-hmm. were pretty bad compared to my more recent ones. <laughs> I mean, I don't, run, I don't run into them all the time, but <laughs> I'm saying like the first time I got pulled over, I, I had a pretty bad experience. It wasn't like, you know, it pulled me out of the, it wasn't violent or anything, yeah. but I was sweating, you mm-hmm. know, and. I I don't know. Th- things were kind of starting to spin. And I was starting to get worried, and you know there wasn't a lot of kindness from either me or him. Right. And, but I found kind of the more in my life, the more I go through life, the better the experience gets because mm-hmm. I've realized, you know, through my experience, I've learned to understand the truth that actually not all police officers are out to get me. Right. Right. From my experience and my worldview, I've I've found that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Now, I get that, you know, a lot of people in these other cities might not have that experience. Right? It's different from most places you go. 
But the thing is, when I stop seeing someone as an enemy, right? Well, what's the same pastor says or says, when I change, everything changes. Right. Right. When my perspective changes, mm-hmm. right, and the way I treat people changes, you actually see that my situation changes. Right. Right. And it goes both ways. You know, how do we handle this? It's through accountability. Hmm. Right, what do I mean by that? So, you know, for example, in L.A., right, these people who are, you know, number one, the guy who shot the police. I mean, if you watch the video, that's crazy. He just Brutal. walks right up to the passenger side window. Right. Just starts firing. And, I mean, doesn't even think about who he's firing at. There's a mom. She was 31. Mm-hmm. has a six-year-old child. Shot off her jaw. I mean, I think they were able to to fix it. Yeah. You know, point blank, shooting a mother. Right. The other guy, I think, was 24, was a rookie. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, the reason the guy did that right, is because, in his mind, they're the enemy. Right. It's civil war right. <laughs> at that point. Right. right. And, likewise, the people at the hospital, you know, the people blocking the ambulances, the people mm-hmm. chanting, we hope they die, they genuinely believe that the police are the enemy. Right. Right, but the thing is, right, is you, the only way you deal with this is accountability. Right. Right, let's let's take the Black Lives Matter movement. Right, essentially what that is, is that is a movement that demands accountability from mm-hmm. police. And I mean, like it or not, right now, the police are being held accountable. Yeah. You know, you can argue in the justice system all day. I mean, that that's an endless yeah. argument. But I mean, just in society and public, I mean... Mm-hmm. From public opinion, right, right, from, you know, they are being held accountable in a sense. Yeah. But the reason that a lot of these movements lack any real power, right, um, I'd say, you know, especially like the protests that turn into riots, mm-hmm. you know, these people executing the police, is you you can't demand accountability without being held accountable yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Where there's there's no accountability, there's there's no credibility. Yeah. Right. There's no power. So, you know, for example, these protests that turn into riots, I'm specifically talking about the riots and the violent ones and the ones yeah. that turn into looting. You can't claim to hold the police accountable but not hold you, hold yourself responsible for your own actions because, you know, a lot of these people are saying, well, you know, as long as they keep, you know, killing black people, sure. city's going to burn. Like, well, that's your fault. That's your responsibility. That's not the police's fault. Right. That's on you. If you're burning a building, correct. Stop blaming the government. No, that's you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're looting stuff, that's on you. Right. If your protest turns into that, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Right. It's 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 kind of the, the same example, you know, where people say, Well, it's only a few bad cops. And a lot of people will say, Well, no, it's the whole system. Yeah. Well, if you're gonna hold people to that standard Right. If you want any sort of authority or power or you want your words to carry any weight, you have to hold yourself to that standard. Sure. So if you're going to demand justice, you know, for a life that's been taken, which you should, right, if you're going to start, you know, burning down cities or, as what's happening in L.A., going around shooting police, blocking ambulances, Mm -hmm. uh, your words literally have no weight. Because if you're going to demand accountability, you have to be held accountable as well right. for your actions. You know, in other words, you got to grow up. Right. Right. Both sides. And and to to speak to that, uh, 
I know uh, I know you had another point you wanted to make, but you know to get into the the minutia of everything, the little details. Um, you know, they're they're saying right, keep that energy. Yeah, yeah. people. I heard that's what the kids are saying, right, Jesus? Mm-hmm. Keep that energy. You know, if you're gonna be the same, if you're gonna be one way about one thing, be the same way about something else. You know, in that yeah. same manner. Um, for example, this is where I get kind of fed up with like like LeBron. Um, the the sheriff Villanueva actually called out LeBron James and said that he wants him he wants LeBron to to match match donations or or uh, forget exactly how he wo- he worded it. Oh yeah, for the bounty, for the bounty for the guy who shot the, these officers. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't personally heard anything from anybody in the NBA or anybody um, from LeBron. But this is where I get upset because it's like. Hey, if you want to talk, if you want to bring light to Breonna Taylor's case, to Jacob Blake's case, to all these other cases, and, and wear their names on your back, we should talk and, about Breonna Taylor on our next podcast. We should. Then some interesting developments. Um, you know, if you want to do those things, that's cool, that's awesome. Raise awareness, do your thing, but also keep that same energy when it comes to people, people gunning down sheriff deputies, because what you don't say. Be, if you're going to be this social justice warrior and stand up for civil rights and stand up against police brutality, awesome, great. But you not saying anything about, hey, maybe we shouldn't kill cops, guys, is also just as loud. Mm-hmm. For example, another athlete, um, one of my favorite athletes, uh, a guy named Marquise Pouncey, plays center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the NFL debuted, and I think in their first week, all the players um, on the Steelers got to wear uh, the team. I guess agreed on a certain a certain name of a of a supposed police brut- police brutality victim, and they put the name on the back of their helmets. Well, um, Marquise Pouncey does a lot of work in P- in Pittsburgh and in Florida, where he's from, with the police. And so I guess it was brought to his attention after the game. More facts of the case, like we're saying, this gray area stuff. Yeah, and. He actually came out and apologized, and he said, "He said I honestly have to admit to you, and this is kind of what we were talking about also earlier. Um, I was unaware of the case. I was just told what to think about it. I was told this name, and I was told we're gonna wear it on our helmets. And I, I wore it. I didn't think about it. He's like, had I known all this information before, I wouldn't have worn that name. So I apologize. He's like, while I do, and he, he's a black guy. Um, he's." She's dude is tatted up like head to toe, but awesome guy. Like he's, he's um, you know, he's the best. Best I think he's the best. But um, you know, my point is, he actually came out and apologized, and he's he does a lot of work with police and against police brutality, and he still apologized because he didn't know all the facts, and he wouldn't have supported this had he known all the facts. Last week, week two, he wore the name of a fallen officer on the back of his helmet. Yeah. Um, so you know, my point is like keep that same energy, like raise awareness, and I think to get into the macro of it, um, there there's a lot going on, and in in the little details, and in each case, we can go on and on the de- this, these details. But um, one of my heroes, Tim Kennedy, guys actually from Paso, um, he was on a podcast, and he was he was talking. He does a lot of work around the world fighting for freedom and fighting for democracy um, and helping, you know, these countries who don't have any of what we have, helping them fight and, and come out of dictatorships and, and things like that and actually get rights and, and stuff. 
Um, cool. So he does a lot of things like that. But I have to look into him. He was saying uh, that that you have to understand that there's a whole world out there that wants to see this experiment called America burn. There's a whole world out there of communism, of, of socialism, of all these things that want to see this experiment of democracy, of capitalism, of freedom, of all these freedoms that we have. They want to see it burn. And, and that's where the media, it, it kind of gets twisted in the media because there's a whole world um, and, and things and politics and stuff, but who actually want to see all these things that we experience um, burn to the ground. And that's a whole other aspect of this because we're talking about the media and you're already given this 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 conclusion and how to feel about it before you even read the article. Yeah. Um, and I think that has a lot to do about it. And, and in terms of what we can do to to fix it, um, you know, I think that's a big part is is all of us, no matter what our, our political leanings are, um, can try as best as we can to actually go to the source instead of reading things just third hand, fourth hand, already processed for us. Can because I feel like we would find this middle ground a lot faster if we actually read just straight facts of these stories instead of just listening to what LeBron has to say about it or what this athlete or this news anchor has to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like that is a, that is on a macro scale a large part of what's going on is that there's just people adding fuel to the fire and want to see things burn, want to see these protests and riot and turn into riots and lootings and shootings and police getting hunted down because they just want to see the whole system burn to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. There's two. There's two approaches. If something's not working, you either burn it down or you build it up. Mm. Right. And uh, to your point about other. You know, powers around the world who don't particularly like America and want to see it fail. I mean, that that is what America was birthed out of. Yeah. Right. I mean. Right. America is still an experiment. Right. Uh, the <laughs> idea of freedom, liberty, and justice <laughs> for all. Right. And there's a lot of people around the world who, you know, unfortunately don't have that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people around the world who don't want to see that. And that's nothing new. You know, that's. I don't. I guess I don't want to sound too pessimistic, but that'll probably always be there. <laughs> the thing is that none of them have the power to end America. Sure. Right? We're the only ones who have the power to do that. That's correct. You know, that's only going to happen from within, and you're kind of starting to see hints of it, where it's it's literally becoming the norm now. You know, if if something happens that upsets a lot of people, I mean, this is becoming normal. Yeah. You can expect your city. To, to burn. burn. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't just mean for racial things. I yeah, mean, even like, anything. you know, now there's certain things happening in politics where people are threatening, oh, you know, if this happens or this gets voted on or this person gets you know, nominated and we're going to burn it down. There's no trust in, in the system as a whole. And what I mean is our politics and, and everything. And that's what's scary for America. Right. But even just thinking that's becoming a normal thing. Right. Why? It's it's because division is coming from within, mm-hmm. not outside. And why is it like that? I, I agree. The media is a massive proponent of that. You know, there, there's profit to be made right. <laughs> off of doing that. You know, I think America, one of our, our greatest assets, mm-hmm. you know, is the opportunity we have, you know, especially towards building wealth. But I think that's also one of our Achilles heels mm-hmm. is because that gives door for people just to take advantage of people. Right. And um, 
You know, you see that especially with the media and with these narratives, this divide and conquer mentality. The truth mm-hmm. is it's way more profitable for the media to divide and conquer than it is to unite. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. You think people would really be watching the news if there were stories about people uniting all the time? And, mm-hmm. You know, people working their issues out, yeah. you know, and officers, you know, having these town halls where they meet with, you know, citizens of their cities and especially, you know, minorities and mm-hmm. they sit down and work it out. Yeah. Like there wouldn't be, you know, the clickbait's gone. What yeah. are you going to get? Right. There, there's always profit to be made in division. There's always profit to be made in creating victims on either side of the spectrum. It's a profitable business. Yeah. Right? And, you know, that's why we as Americans, we just don't get sucked into that vortex. Yeah. You know, we're we're Americans, right? We're people. The reason why this country exists is because we look out for each other. Right. Turn off the TV. Turn off CNN. Mm-hmm. Turn off Fox. Mm-hmm. Go out and talk to your neighbor. Right. Right. If you see these police shootings, right, and obviously we got to talk about it. Obviously we got to figure it yeah. out. Obviously, you know, right. where justice needs to be served, justice needs to be served. But if that upsets you, you know, and you feel like there's no justice, mm-hmm. go serve your community. Go do some good. Yeah. Right. Don't get caught in the vortex. Right. You just you can't do it. Right. You know, and I think I think we all like each other and we, we as Americans, I think we would if we had just hung out and we spent time together, yeah. turn off our TVs, you'd realize that we like each other a lot more than we yeah. think. Yeah. And yeah, I think also leadership. You know, these movements lead need leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Police departments, they have obviously very complicated things right. to figure out with their police force. They need leadership to help navigate them through it. Mm-hmm. You know, the African-American community, if they feel, you know, in, in a lot of these cities that, you know, they're underrepresented or there's no justice, they need leaders to rise up who are going to get them justice mm-hmm. because it becomes a snowball effect, right? Oh, we don't get justice, well, we're going to burn it down. Well, that's more black businesses that are, destroyed it's right. more black lives that are destroyed right that's more police coming in mm-hmm. that means more you know force yep. being used which means more black people getting arrested mm-hmm. I, I keep singling out black people but more people in general but you know it's particularly because of the cries of the black community right, right. i mean what good does that do if you know you i mean i'll put myself you know me as a black man mm-hmm. right if i'm out there you know, doing stuff and I get arrested and my right. son sees that. Right. right. That's a thousand times more detrimental wow. to my people. Sure. My son seeing me go to jail, right, talk about mass incarceration is a problem that we face. That's a thousand times more detrimental. Right. Right. Then taking some leadership, figuring out, okay, we're yeah. not getting justice. How do we do this? And so so once again, you know, I I, I get it. I, I don't agree with it. I strongly disagree with Every everything that's going on, to be honest, mm-hmm. you know, I disagree with the public's response. You know, I disagree. I think it's a tragedy that these these men are getting shot. Yeah. You know, I get it. Chaotic experiences. I get it. Yeah. But I think w- everybody has to do better, right. and we can all do better. But we can't do better if we keep, you know, getting sucked into that vortex. We yeah. do better by doing good. Mm-hmm. Right. Go out and serve. Yeah. Go invite your neighbors over. Sure. Right. So I think practically, um, where you know, 
I I I think practically, you know, d- uh, obviously, like you said, the police system. Um, I don't even pretend to un- to to claim that I understand how it works. The ins and outs is a lot more complicated than I think, and I think a lot of people need to admit that. Yeah. Um, I think, but I do think the police system they need more training. You yeah. know, absolutely. Um, that's and that's easy to say for us, but I mean, I I like me and you have talked about the Jocko approach. Jocko Willick has talked about how you know, one whole day of their week needs to be dedicated to training. Yep. There needs to be sh- more strict uh, requirements to join, longer training period, how to deal with these situations. You know, how do you deal with going from um, somebody wielding a knife at you one one hour and then a few hours later you're consoling a, a, a crying mother because her, her baby just choked to death or something crazy. Um, yeah. You know, it's it. there's a lot more than just what what the eye you know what people are led to believe and i i definitely think that defunding the police is a yeah. bigger problem than we want to have yeah. um here's here's an unpopular opinion as a man of color i think the best solution especially in a lot of these you know more troubled neighborhoods mm-hmm. is actually more police funding mm-hmm. specifically for more training right Just think about it military Right. I mean, our military is pretty good at yeah. what they do. Right. You don't read about a lot of civilian casualties. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we, we tend to be pretty precise. We tend yeah. to be very well organized. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, we have yeah. a good reputation for that. Yeah. I'd say about twenty to thirty percent of their job is actually training. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they spend so much time training, and as a result, they're able to pays off. Yeah. It pays off. Right. Yeah. You see it. Think about officers. I think it's like two or three days mm-hmm. a year. I heard. I probably need to go back and double check that statistic. Yeah. But it's not very many. Even double that, right? Say one or two weeks a year. Right. Of training. I mean, imagine every day. You know, these officers having to go into the traumatic experiences that they do. Yeah. Right. Like you said, knife fights. Um. You know parents with kids dying, violence. I mean, mm-hmm. just the traumatic things that these officers yeah. face every day, right? Day in, day right. out. I mean, even just for mental health reasons, Yeah. right? They have to go all this time. And they only spend like a week training for this. Yeah. A week to decompress. Right. And it's not even like a consistent week. I think it's mm-hmm. spread throughout. You know, I, th- I think if we want them to be able to be in a position to do their job mm-hmm. better... You know, I think they need more training. Yeah. And I think it's a mistake right. to pull that funding. Uh, once again, I get, as a, as a man of color, I get that's a very unpopular opinion, but yeah. I think it's going to be way worse right. for our people mm-hmm. if we defund the police. I mean, look at the neighborhoods where the police have abandoned already. Mm-hmm. See murders go up. See rapes go up. I, I get the emotion behind it, but from a leadership perspective... I think that's a bad move. And I think, um, I mean, geez, who was it? That celebrity that was, I forget who it was, and I probably shouldn't mention her name, but she was, uh, you know, campaigning, defund the police, defund the police, and all that. And then there was somebody flying a, uh, oh, there was a kid playing with a toy gun outside or something, and she called the cops on the kid and was scared for her life, and the, all yeah. the, the whole gang of cops came, and it was just like this little boy with a with a toy gun, an airsoft gun or something. Um. Yeah. See, Jesus just paid, pulled up a an article. The average U.S. police department requires fewer hours of training than what it takes to become a barber or a plumber. 
Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's and, and you know, don't get me wrong. Hey, I, I know a ton of great police officers and sheriff deputies. Um, one of my one of my best friends just joined the police force this year. Um, you know, I know a ton of guys um, and and ladies that that are awesome people. Um, at the same time, there are a bunch of people who join the police force just for the power trip, just for the 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 authority that comes with it and but that's not a police thing that's a people thing because how many people do we work have we worked with do we work with that become in management or supervisors just for the role just to boss people around yeah um and i think that on the front end you know more strict requirements and 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 things like that um and on the back end more training but also harsher consequences and, and more you know details looking into complaints and things like that and interactions and and there's a lot to it that we don't understand um, and I think as a person to person, uh, you know, thing, like you said, um, uh, just being, being a better person, you know, like when I'm on my runs, if a sheriff drives past me, um, I'll throw up my hand at them and whether they see it or not, just, just wave to them. And when I'm out in public, whether it's, whether it's a, a black guy, a Mexican guy, a white guy, whatever color person next to me, I'm just always trying to be a nice guy, you know, always trying to, especially because, you know. There is a stigma painted against Caucasian-looking people who that are, you know, white people, racist, and and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't want to fall into that category. I want people to know, <laughs> hey, I'm not racist. I like everybody. I'm like a whole mixed breed here. Uh-huh. Um, but I know it's probably kind of an ignorant thing to say. But uh, my point is just being a better person. Yeah. You know, to the person next to you, the person in in line in front of you, and uh, I think there's a lot a lot to to that yeah yeah and i mean i guess just to summarize it's like you said you know i'll kind of give my summary you know i think i I get all the controversy that's around the police department Mm -hmm. you know i personally i appreciate the police you know i admire them and whatever you know Mm -hmm. if that upsets you that's a reflection of your heart, not mine. Right. But the the truth is, is there is evil that exists. Mm. Right. You go in these neighborhoods, there are people that want to do bad things. There are people that will harm. Right. E- evil is a real thing, and you need someone to deal with it. Yeah. Right. And you need someone with authority, mm-hmm. you know, and who carries a certain amount of potential to use force in order to confront that evil. Right. You know. You can't care bear stare someone <laughs> out of <laughs> out of <laughs> out of murdering, right? You can't you know, it just doesn't work. That's not how the world works. Please don't do it. You know. I mean it's in the Bible. The Bible is very clear there is evil in the world. You know, and God has established mm-hmm. governments to deal with that evil. Yeah. You know. And you know, y- so what do we do about that, you know, as a nation? Do we get sucked in the vortex well you know forget the police forget them or do we get sucked into the no everyone's a thug no i'll tell you what you should do whenever any of these things happen instead of jumping on a side you know say what can i do to help yeah how can i help the situation Mm -hmm. if there's nothing i can directly do to help the situation all right what can i do to help the situation from happening in my realm right whether it's in my community in my city you know in my state what can I personally do? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what goes a long way, serving. Right. 
Go serve people. Right? If if we fix our culture, right? It's not the police's job to fix our culture. Mm-hmm. It's their job to confront the evil in the culture when yeah. it gets out of hand. Yeah. If we fix the culture, right? That police force becomes a lot less necessary. Mm-hmm. Right. So, once again, I think it's a culture problem. We got to fix yeah. the culture. You know, we Number one, we got to take accountability for our actions. Everyone, white, black, police, civilian. Mm-hmm. We all have to take accountability for our actions, and we all have to hold each other accountable. Yeah. Right? The Bible says that God's throne is built on justice and righteousness. Mm. Right? It's a two-way street. And do good. Right. Do something good. Go serve at church. Go serve your community. Go invite your neighbors over for dinner. Mm-hmm. Right? Or if you... If you see something, I don't know, be part of the solution. Right. Do something. Right. But, you know, getting sucked in the vortex doesn't help. You thinking less of people because of a political belief or a political ideology or something that you really know nothing about mm-hmm. doesn't help. Right. Right. Do something good. Mm-hmm. Right. How can I help? Go do it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I like that. I definitely like that. Go do something. Don't just add to the uh, the plethora of useless Instagram comments and posts <laughs> yes I'd avoid social media let's change our culture yeah. so hey um as we end let's let's uh get into some good news yeah some good news i, li- I like good news good news the good news network is where we're getting a couple of these article or just this article today um <laughs> good news two-thirds of americans believe that they have become a better person this year how i read nice. that in my head was Good news. Two-thirds of Americans have realized that they've repeatedly sucked. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, self-improvement, I guess. That's cool. That's cool to hear. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that from the news. Yeah, so a poll, of, social media. A poll of 2,000 Americans over the age of 21, and I'm quoting from this article, uh, looked at the positive changes to come from this challenging time. So I guess a lot of people really took the uh, the quarantine seriously and got got alone and were forced to be alone <laughs> and look mm-hmm. at themselves and make some changes. Yeah. Yeah, I think like the first week we talked about detoxing. It's a forced detox. Yeah. And I think you're starting to see the positive outcomes. And I think even watching um, myself, watching some sports and, and listening to the ratings um, after which the ratings are epically low. I think a lot of political stuff is going on. But also, I think that a lot of people have just detoxed and learned how to deal without sports or sports betting or, or things like that that cause people to be super into to sports. And, um, yeah, ratings are are super-duper low. And I think that's one I, – I would argue that's one, one reason why. Uh, a lot of – a couple of numbers here. Spending quality time uh, – uh, sorry, this is a list of things people no longer take for granted. Spending quality time, 52 – Point two eight percent, forty one percent say hugs. Hugs. Uh, another thirty two traveling to new destinations. Thirty one uh, relaxing walk in the park. Uh, goes on. Um, <laughs> one of the things <laughs> at the bottom of this list says watching my kids' sporting events. <laughs> People don't take that for granted anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, hitting the gym. That's on the list. Hitting the gym. Man, I miss the gym. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's good. I think that's I think we accurately predicted this when we first kind of started talking about 
hopefully this is what people get out of it. Hopefully people appreciate life more. And I think that's good to hear. It's very yeah. good news. People are being forced, you know, to sit down and spend time with each other. <laughs> Turns out we get along better than we think we do. Come on. Life's a lot better than we're told it is. So, cool. Well, Kenny, it's been fun. Let's do this again. Let's do it. You know, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Amazon has a podcast platform now. We're on that as We're well. We're on it. And, uh, yeah, just make sure you tune in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit like if you're on YouTube. Make sure you leave a comment. Go ahead and if you have any questions, hit us up on our Instagram, Monuments Movements. Email us, monumentsmovements at gmail.com. Email us your questions. We'd love to answer them. And uh, until next time, have a great day. Peace. Peace.